This episode is supported in part by our friends on Patreon. To show your support, visit patreon.com slash codemonkeypodcast. Welcome to the Code Monkey Podcast, Season 3, Episode 17, the final full episode of the Code Monkey Podcast. Elon Musk will probably survive recent political changes, Stephen Hawking predicts a doomsday, and Snowden likes computers. All this, plus life lessons from a year of podcasting from us, your hosts, Kevin Giese and Alex Bragdon. Oh man, Alex, the feels. Uh, the feels. You missed... You uh, you should have. Why isn't this called the Final Frontier? That's the name of this episode. Oh man, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. I mean. Okay. Yeah, that'll be the next. Yeah, fine. I'll fix it. I thought I thought you were going there, and then you were like the final full episode, and I was like, <laughs> uh, might as well call it Final Full House. Well, so <laughs> well, so we. Sh- okay. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose it is kind of yeah. Why did why Star Trek TNG shouldn't have been able to exist because. We already had a final frontier. So like I why? mean, that was the last real mission. That was the last mission of like the full crew complement of the original series. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Cause yeah, that's what it was. Man, and it that feels... was the last time we saw all of them on the same thing together. Oh, man. It feels so real right now. What? We're, 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 like life? We are ending life. We are ending the series. We're ending we're ending this podcast. Not, well, not yes. necessarily like we may pop in on on rare occasion on this. If you are subscribed to this RSS feed or this channel or wherever wherever Code Monkey podcasts are sold, um, you may you know see the message or two from us. But as far as full episodes of things go, this is it, Alex. This is big. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm probably just gonna hack into the RSS stream and just post like. Pictures Cat of photos. water buffaloes, right? <laughs> yeah, when like tiny ants that I find. But it's I don't good, know. But it's good though, right? Because like we're we're obviously going to take some time for holiday seasons and seasonings. I don't know, season, holiday season. Mm, like, I like some season stuffing, allspice, like cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> A nice turkey brine, so like salsa seasoning. Oh, there you go. There's an option. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Ugh. No. No. What? No. You don't like turkey? No, I like turkey. It's just, uh, no, I don't know. Brine. Uh, you, you've been no. cooking a lot. You should love a good brine. That is, well, yeah, I suppose. Brined but. pork chops. All right, fair enough. Delicious. Fair, fair, fair enough. But yes, so this is this is the final episode, and I'm realizing this after the fact. I probably should have taken out that whole, like, hey, if you want to support us on Patreon thing, this is probably, like, it's probably a moot point at this point. Because I'm going to go through yeah. and cancel those. I do want to thank the people uh, who did support us during you know, once once we had launched that out. It's definitely been helpful in terms of offsetting our uh, our hosting costs and such. Um, yeah. But Alex, yeah, tell them what we are going to do in the future. Tell them why well, they should not the, be super sad. In the future, our telomeres will continue to shorten. We will continue <laughs> to become old and decrepit and then die. Exactly. So stay heartened, Americans. And other Globicans. Yes. <laughs> and aliens who may find this sitting on a hard drive in the trash Alex, somewhere my, my out near Alpha My one regret is that we did not manage to take this podcast to Mars. Uh, well, that may still be to come, Kevin. Oh, that fair may enough. Still I, suppose, yeah, we, I tell you what, guys, if we, once we make it to Mars, we'll make one like special, you know, you know, we'll, like we'll, 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 we'll pretend it's like a BBC series. We're like 20 years later. We'll be like, here's one random episode. Like, enjoy. <laughs> yes. It's like the series isn't actually over. Exactly. We just kind of lied to you 20 years ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. No, but we will we will take all that we have learned yes. from making this here Code Monkey podcast uh, and have the sort of spiritual successor to it. It'll be kind of like yes, the Legend of Zelda. Podcast, which we will be yeah. delving into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like the Legend of Zelda. There's always the same characters doing the same types of things, but the scenery is a bit different and the villains are a little bit changed. Exactly. And we will be launching a new podcast with a different name yes. and a different sort of slightly more on point theme. <laughs> yes, um, this has sort of been a problem from day one of this podcast. Is that we're like, yes. hey, we both program things and we enjoy talking to, and yeah, 
And then we'll call it the Code Monkey Podcast, assuming that we were going to talk about code and stuff. But despite the fact that, yes, we can talk about some code things, it's hard to find a ton of overlap all the time. And even then, it's hard to do that in a way that, like, is appealing to people who are not also doing exactly the same thing as us all the time. Yep. So. Yeah. So the whole podcast needed so much of a rework that it didn't make sense to continue it under the same name. Yes. So. We'll be doing essentially very similar type stuff under a new name. Yes. And of course, uh, we will be relying on all of you wonderful listeners to help us kind of do a big sprint as we as we launch the the to be announced podcast in the beginning toward the beginning of next year. Because yes. there's a thing, there's a thing with, uh, particularly which we didn't with- know when we watched this podcast. <laughs> yes, we, we did. We, we, you know, really, no idea. There, it 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 appears that you really do need to make sure on things like iTunes that you do as much as you can to promote things early on. Because if your podcast doesn't pick up in the first ninety days or so, then it can get kind of stuck in kind of un- the undiscovered country, as it were, to bring it back to. <laughs> Yes, Kevin. Um, so we are going to be asking you to help us once we do launch this podcast to help spread the word and help get the, you leave reviews and all of all of that wonderful stuff um, because we think that you're gonna we're we're gonna make some changes we're gonna be back and it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun but of course while we are here we have a podcast to be to be doing right yeah 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 so it is it is the last episode and I I want to start with a story that's totally not any of these stories. Um, Advice for Junior does because this is the Code Monkey podcast, and the next podcast will not be a code related podcast. So I figured, hey, we should look at like one code story. <laughs> okay, cool. And this is a this is an article I found called "Survival Guide for Junior Developers," and it's basically just a list of things. It's a think piece. Um, one of them is <laughs> yeah, ex- ex- what. That is like one of the biggest problems with like most code, like even news articles. Yes. Uh, is that they're just lists. Yes. So we could read through lists, which yes. we're probably going to do right now. I was about to do but, just that. <laughs> yeah. But like a podcast of just two people reading through lists wasn't really the best move. Right. Well, I mean, we could read source code aloud. Line 20. Go to line 10. <laughs> Line what? Wait, wait! You're using go tos. We've been I, over this. Kevin. No, I'm going back to. I'm going back to to QBase. Yeah, you're man. going back to. You're, you're going. <laughs> I'm sorry, back. I'm sorry. I might come from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <sighs> so th- this is uh, because this, this is this is this is a question that I think we we will both have different opinions on or different different perspectives on. How do you uh, you know how do you work as a junior developer what is it what are the things that you need to do what this article says is one i'm a junior dev what's that i'm a junior dev exactly and i'm not a junior dev i'm an old crabby dev (laughs) (laughs) you're mr Krabs. um this one so the the first advice is accept your holes and ask for help so just accept that you don't know things and ask people to tell you things um this this doesn't apply in my case because i actually know everything right uh, right but for other people you know for other junior devs it's very important yeah yeah well i think i think the the other thing i think the thing that i've noticed with junior devs that i've worked with is that i i think there's a distinction between there are there are some things where it's like it's okay to go oh i don't know this and ask someone for help but there's also a there are some things where like you don't know this but it's also something that it will be of immense value to you to struggle through and figure it out on your own yeah, that sometimes yeah. you can you can kind of struggle with the balance, and this is not to say like because I think it's generally more that people are afraid to ask for help. Um, yeah, like that's yeah. definitely the more common. But yeah, if you find yourself always being like, I don't know which key is any key, like then it maybe maybe work on googling. Well, you know. so like I think it starts to break it help it helps to break it down to like what is a technical challenge and right. what is sort of like a challenge that is presented by the business right. and sort of like the company i'm pretty like, sure the business itself is the challenge yeah yeah business is no, always it, the worst part of computers yeah we could just get <laughs> i mean yes yeah, it is yeah um but i so 
again, like the business side of stuff is uh, most of it you can't Google, right? right? So you could spend a lot of time spitting your tires on something that could be very simple and that you could just like ask your manager or ask the person who sits next to you, mm. like, what do I need to do here? Can you point me at least in the right direction? Right. Um, not, not even like, don't ask for answers. Like not even out, like even outside of school, like there's a reason that they say don't ask for answers inside of schools because you really shouldn't be doing that outside of school because software development is like a continual learning process. So don't ask for answers. Just be like, Hey, I need to do X, Y, Z. Can you point me in the right direction? Um, and then like stuff that is like, I don't know how to sort arrays efficiently in PHP or JavaScript or COBOL. Like right. that's that's the type of, that's a I, technical I like that. question. I think I'm honing in on the problem you may be facing with array sorting efficient efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it yeah. may be implicit in your in your question. Yeah, no, <laughs> but I mean that you know I think that's, none that's of those of languages the... <laughs> are designed for optimal array sorting at all. I know PHP no, is probably well, fine. I, no, not PHP, but COBOL yes, is probably PHP. the more efficient of the array sorting. <laughs> Of that list, and I love oh, me, I love on. me some JavaScript, will, but no. <laughs> will I be glad when we, we don't have to talk about PHP on this podcast? <laughs> uh, but those are like questions that Google can answer, and that right. you you well, probably even, be best. I think they're even they're even I, I, certainly when you spin up on a new project, it can be very tempting to go. Okay, I have this problem that requires me to touch this weird, confusing cluster of code. It can be yeah. very tempting to go like, let me go find the person who wrote this cluster of code and be like, yo, dude. Well, yeah, never talk to anyone was, who wrote something. Um, talk to someone else. Well, Get like the secondhand opinion. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But even even that, like it can be tempting to be like, hey, somebody who's worked with this code base before, how, how what, I, I don't understand. Um, sometimes struggling through and trying to, um, trying to understand it just for like practicing reading code that confuses yeah. the heck out of you is I think a, a very valuable skill. Um, that's not to say that you, yeah. you always need to do it and you need to, you need to be aware of like, Oh, I need to get this done like right now. And so, yes, I will just, you know, ring every bell and whistle to try and try and get, you know, some yeah. as much help as possible. Trying to make sure that you are getting your work done in a timely and efficient manner, mm. but like, Investing that time early on when less will be expected of you is a really good move. Like struggle through that in the first like six months, because in the first six months, no one's going to be expecting that much of you. And so you can sort of try to build up a a basic level of knowledge of like all the sort of application specific, like company specific stuff. So that way things will go faster later on. Definitely agree. The second yeah. item, the second item on this list is take notes. Alex, do you take notes? I do not. I totally don't take notes either. I, I, I see a lot like, of people around me like they're just free notepads, <laughs> and like I get a notepad and I just like start drawing triangles on it. Okay. That that that's just what happens. You like, I literally have sticky notes cool. all over my desk that just have triangles. Drawn are you, are you on just them afraid because... that you'll forget the triangles are awesome? No, I just start doodling randomly okay. and a triangle is a fun thing to draw. That is a very fun thing to draw. Well, I'm trying yeah, to think yeah. I'm probably really bad. Yeah, I got to try get and like draw the triangles. fractal triangles that are just like infinite triforces. Oh, the, the Fibonacci, not the Fibonacci. Yeah. yeah Fibonacci triangles. Yeah. 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 But like, you know, oh, the, man, the, my the, triangles the fra- all fractal askew. triangles. I don't, I don't I can't know draw what... triangles at all. My, my triangles all messed up. And... Mendel. Mendel. Oh, that's right. I, I don't have any paper. Men- I think Mendel is. I think that's right. Mendel yes. triangles. Yes. Yeah. No. Take notes if you like. Like, but if you're not a dedic memory, just use that. <laughs> is do you have do you have one of those? I do. I do not have an eidetic memory. Well, unfortunately, there you go. I have a pretty good memory though. You should consider taking notes. Um, no, there are. The, I, I think <laughs> this is not. I. I honestly, I, I feel like I disagree with this one. Um, unless there, because I feel like. If there's a problem where you need to ask a person something multiple times, then you're then then it's also a problem that other people may encounter. The next noob may be like, I don't know how this works either. To me, that reflects there is a there is a gap in documentation or comments or something else in your system. Okay, um, yeah, I super agree with that. Like at my 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 place of work, we have this an amazing knowledge base, which is like mm-hmm. an internal wiki, mm-hmm. um, and like all the basics are there. There you like, go. So like. 
Yeah. But if you find something where you're like constantly forgetting, like, ah, shoot, how do I just put it in the wiki? Just write a wiki article for it. Yeah. And don't, and certainly, especially, especially new junior devs, like, don't be afraid to add stuff to those shared knowledge bases. Especially like, know, if you're like, I knew new devs would be like, started. no, but it's, I'm not the expert. I can't. Well, yeah, but the experts like are busy doing crazy stuff and they forget to go because they do have a lot of it committed because they're doing stuff all the time. And so yeah. there are like the, 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 I think the more senior, the more, the longer you've been in a company, the, the easier it is for you to have blind spots as to what's not um, made explicit, what's not there. And so you, as a new you know person at a company, have incredible value in being able to identify like, hey, this thing is really confusing. Um, yeah, you know, cause you're able to see things with fresh eyes. Well, don't just go buy new eyes. Like you well, can't go to the fish market and just buy like fish eyes and expect <laughs> to like look at things with them. So your eyes will be relatively aged. Right. But yeah. It's yeah. very unfortunate. The sentiment. I get the sentiment. <laughs> hmm. um, this third one I really like. It often sounds more complicated than it is. Oftentimes, Except. it's the terminology that's foreign to you. Once you understand what it means in plain English, it's not actually scary. Except it is always scary. Ex- except always except scary. for SOAP APIs, I think this is very accurate. SOAP APIs? Yeah, SOAP APIs. I've not touched a SOAP API. Good. You don't want to. It, it predated that- REST APIs. It was not fun. Oh. Oh. Yeah. It was bad. I don't touch REST APIs that often either. Weird. That's PHP, man. Well, yeah, but you said PHP. JavaScript also. What? You said JavaScript also. Yeah, that's true. But that's no, what I, like I, I encounter this one in particular a lot. Um, just the um, not having familiarity with the term when you're trying to understand some bit of code or trying to understand some sort of concept, you're trying to be like, oh, shoot, I need to do a linear regression. And then you need to read what a linear regression is. And you're looking at all these words. You're like, ah, I don't know. Even just having familiarity with the terms, you can be like, all right, this is some abstract thing that I sort of understand. You're just doubling that or whatever the case may be. It becomes so much easier to wrap your mind around it just by being familiar with the terms, even if you don't have a good understanding of them yet. Yeah. Um, It's like a Bayesian probability network. Right. right, Exactly. That. Yeah. And then you look and they're like, and they use Greek symbols. And I'm like, honestly... If you just type, if you honestly, if you this is a this is a thing for math. If you're a math person, or if you have to deal with math and you're not a math person, take the stupid formula that they have with all the Greek symbols, replace the symbols with just a word, and yeah. it will start. It will suddenly start to make a heck of a lot more sense. Like you can leave the formula exactly as it is and just take out the confusing because then you're not reading like Tolkienish math <laughs> s- stuff. I, and all of a sudden, it makes more null sense. times pi. <laughs> Divided by square root omega. Take to out the, those alphas and betas and stuff. Give them fun, fun little character names. Like Car- Carl. And yes. Carl squared X. plus Brian to the cube root of Ashley four. Like I, <laughs> and then it's fine. Good. That makes sense. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, also, draw pretty pictures. There you go. If it is too complex, visualize it. Is that, is that a thing that you do, Alex? Do you, do you draw things? Uh, other than triangles? No, but I might draw triangles in a different pattern. Aha, uh-huh, okay. Uh, no, I I don't know. Like, I like whiteboards in concept, and, like, mm-hmm. I like to just scribble things on whiteboards, but, like, eh, I, I, I keep, I don't know. I, I, I Sometimes I'll just type things into, like, the URL bar. Uh-huh. Like, I'll be Googling things and I'll be like, well, what if I did this? And I'll just like write out a sentence in the URL bar. <laughs> and like, if I do like writing out what I'm going to do and then uh-huh. I'll just delete it. Yeah. Just, I don't know, just a tiny bit of off brain storage space. Yeah. is can be super helpful. I, you no, know, I definitely agree. I think getting, getting even, yeah, whether it's, I have a I have a notepad where I write down sentences, but they're not like long-term notes. They're not like, Oh, Here's how I, you know, restart production if it does this thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like, yeah, it's it's just a trying to get things out of your working memory so that you can just focus on whatever it is that you're working on. Um, yeah. Or even just writing down so that you, you're kind of forcing yourself to explain to yourself what you're even thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a rubber duck on my desk. Yep. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't often write things down, but I do often talk to the rubber duck. There we go. Well, like, you got to explain. He's a cool you duck. try and explain. His name is Duckerson. <laughs> 
It's a, uh, my duck's name would be uh, Ducky McDuckface. Yes, that would that would be quite, a very you name. Quite obviously. Has, has anything actually like officially been ba- named like something McSomething face? Well, they they did name Bodie McBoatface's uh, torpedo. It's not a torpedo. Whatever it's it a was. UAV. Yeah, it's torpedo. not like it just blew up. Torpedo. They named that Bodie McBoatface. It was, it was, it was, it was, okay, okay. I mean, I think that's a fair consolation. Promise. No, I don't think it's no. I th- I think no. I think the fair consolation would have been if David Attenborough renamed went and changed his name to Bodie McBoatface. That would have been a fair meeting us halfway. Can you imagine? <laughs> be amazing even imagine but just imagine like oh i'm gonna go watch this documentary oh who narrates it oh bodie mcboatface like it'd be amazing oh i wish john lithgow narrated it everything john lick mick lithgow face what (laughs) johnny johnny mick lithgow face that's that's his new name I wish he would narrate everything. Uh, the 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 final bit of advice on this on this article before we move off it is is chase a lot of bugs, try and solve you, bugs, try and bug fix. Yeah, bug fixing is fun. Like I, it, critical rotations can be like one of my favorite things. What are critical just rotations? Like, oh, okay. So a critical rotation, at least at my company, uh, is so critical bugs are like bugs. That just sort of popped up and like this thing is broken. No one noticed it. Now we noticed it and it needs to be fixed immediately. It can't work to uh-huh. wait to get on the next sprint. Okay. So we, um, and so they're just, we call they're usually those fires just, at my, <laughs> at my yeah. Yeah. So, so every, so every engineer is on the critical rotation. So you, you have like a week every month or something that, uh, you ah. could just be randomly assigned a critical ticket and you're supposed to just drop whatever you're working on and go and fix that thing. And so it's just like you, you suddenly are doing something completely different and you're just trying to fix it as quickly as possible. And you're just like tracing down a, a, one bug. Interesting. So it's a lot of fun. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Like generally when fires happen, it's like anybody who knows anything at all about this area like you were immediately on this well well, well so so um, well so to be fair it's not like the whole company so like every every sprint mm-hmm. so every team has like a specific area of ownership oh, okay for like so all their sprints will be working on certain tools and all and then any like criticals that come up with those that subset of tools mm. is what like what you'd be rotating on. So yeah, it's not okay. like the one big master rotation. Uh-huh. So in, in theory, the like anyone on that sprint rotation is going to be like as close to an expert on that particular tool as anyone is going to be, because they're the ones, because you, you're working on like that or related tools Got it. every okay. week. No, that makes, so. that makes more sense. Um, yeah. The other, I guess the only thing I would add to this is in addition to just chasing bugs, Write tests. And more yeah, importantly, test-driven development. No, not even just that. Write tests for other people's code because you are going to find that other <laughs> people didn't write tests for their code. And you having to go through and write tests without changing their code will help you understand that code. Even better, write tests while changing their code so that way nothing that works. Way, one, they will get angry at you. Two, <laughs> like all the tests will work <laughs> and, and all the no tests one will be pass. able to figure Yes. But everything will be broken. Exactly. That's a great state to be in. Exactly. <laughs> no, it is, literally. It's, it is it is it is an interesting exercise to make tests work without changing code. Um Yeah. It is yeah. depending on depending on the language that you're working in, it is sometimes impossible to fully test code if you can't do some some you know, some injection of stuff and things are made private that yeah. you made private yeah. things like that. But going you've through got and like trying database to stuff. trying to make sure that the test coverage, you know, basically if you if you're new and you're looking for stuff to do and you're looking to try and up your skills, going through and writing tests, it will give it will make sure that you are familiar with that part of the code base so that it, yeah, if there are bugs with it, you can be like, Yeah, that part is weird. It'll also it'll fix that whole imposter syndrome that everybody deals with. If you have to write tests for the senior devs code, you will realize the senior devs are really bad programmers and you have nothing to be <laughs> self-conscious about at all. <laughs> I mean, we're, once you do enough criticals, you, you understand that as well. <laughs> yes. Because then you're just like patching. Oh, this is my manager's manager. Why did he assign <laughs> one equal to two? Yes. 
Why did like, you overwrite the equals operator? Why did you overwrite the equals operator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's it for code on the Code Monkey podcast. Well, no, Alex, I wanted to ask you if you had any additional advice beyond what was what was listed in this article. As, no, as a recent junior, junior dev, as someone who's kind of been going through that experience. Ask questions, make mistakes, get messy. Okay. Uh, break everything. The more things you break so, so, so in the your Facebook first model year, then. <laughs> you, yeah, we'll work fast, break things. Yes. I mean, literally, that that our company follows that Facebook model. Actually, they the, like first day, it's like you're gonna break production, you're gonna lose us millions of dollars. Just learn something from it and don't do it again. <laughs> so find a company that follows that that <laughs> model. So find a company that believes in that and break as much stuff as you can. There you go. And and learn as much as you can from that. Also, don't hire companies that follow that model. If you <laughs> <laughs> don't hire companies, what? Don't contract out to companies that follow that model. <laughs> Why not? I mean, unless you're like NASA or something. Mm. Yeah, if you're SpaceX, probably don't follow that model. <laughs> no, just don't farm out a, a, your development to companies that believe in that model. Um, Why not? Well, because theoretically you should be, I don't know. It's not to say production can't ever go down. But Are, are you disagreeing? Are you disagreeing with Miss Frizzle? Uh, yes. Sacrilege. All right. Anyway. Sacrilege. <laughs> so, Alex, um, you know how we don't talk about politics at all? Sure. We're well, still not going to talk, talk about, about politics? politics at all. No, I really don't. I don't think are anyone you sure, wants to talk Kevin? about Do you want to talk about politics? I feel Kevin, like the whole nobody wants we, to talk about politics. Uh, I talk about politics too much to talk about them on this podcast. Fair I've enough. literally talked about nothing but politics the last, like, month. Uh-huh. I think that's uh-huh. true for, for most people. However, yeah. good news, according to Bloomberg, they actually did this kind of, the, this interesting piece kind of talking about, well, what is the what is the fallout for, like, you know, the planet? Um, in particular to Elon Musk's ventures. Um, the swift spread of rooftop solar in the U.S. has been made possible by two government policies. First, most utilities are required to credit homeowners for excess power they send back to the grid. There was, those requirements are state level and shouldn't be affected uh, by... Blah, 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 blah. Second is the 30% federal tax credit to offset the cost of installations. These credits were first signed into law under Republican President George W. Bush Kevin. in 2005 and extended by Republican contra- Congress late last year. Given their broad support, the subsidies are unlikely to be repealed, which is good news for solar. Kevin, I, I have a request. Yes. Y- 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 I think for the first time you mentioned the presidential nominee's name in the podcast. Uh, the elect's name. Yes. I think we've avoided politics so much that we never said that name. I'd, l- I'd like you to bleep that out. <laughs> So that way it never appears in this podcast. Um, I don't, I, I don't think so. Cause that's a quote uh, though. Darn it. I thought it'd be <laughs> funny though. It would be funny. Can, can't you just like replace it with the word? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I just don't that know. Recording? I don't know. I've got, dude, I, this is, I'm pretty stressed out with a lot of work commitments. I don't know how much editing bleeping time. I'm <laughs> okay. That's fair. That's fair enough. Um, all right. Uh, the, no, but, but yeah. the, the good news is that it does appear that despite the fact that there has been some some uh, speculation that anything green is gone, um, to kind of be very <laughs> reductionistic about it, um, the the improvement on solar is getting to the point where even unso- unsubsidized solar is starting it's cheaper to get, than coal. Uh, well, it's cheaper than coal in a couple uh, it, in Nevada and Arizona and New Mexico right now. Yeah, you know the ones with all of the sunlight. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but as efficiencies go up and, and it's also costs getting go close down, to cheaper it will become gas. cheaper than coal in more and more states. Right, and it's and and getting cheaper than natural gas is also is not too far off either. Yeah, so that's that's yeah. pretty fantastic. Um, look, I'm looking at this chart here. It looks like coal is something like I don't know sixty five dollars per megawatt hour. S- so Nat- natural gas is like 55 or something like that. Yeah. So all of this has left me in a very interesting position. Yes. Because I, I consider myself to probably the surprise of no one to be a very liberal person. What? However, yes, 
Uh, however, I find myself now in the position where I'm like, hey, Elon Musk, I want to give you literally every federal tax credit credit and like every Republican conservative like notion of business, like trickle down economics to make you an amazing, super awesome company. <laughs> Well, I, like, I, I have to disagree with you. I think that I honestly, I think that I think that green energy subsidies are really are very much a liberal thing. I think you're OK on, on that one. I, I guess. But like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm OK if he makes a bazillion dollars off of it. <laughs> well, uh, yes, because he's I trust him. <laughs> Unlike most CEOs of in, in the world, I trust Elon Musk implicitly, literally with my life. Well, eventually. Well, yeah, I mean, I let I let him fly rockets and drive cars like around me. (laughs) I I do. I I, I feel no fear from his cars nor rockets. (laughs) I walk through the valley of death. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Though I walk through the valley of rockets and cars. No, I mean it. It is interesting to note, though. I mean, for those for those who may be particularly despondent um, or overjoyed, kind of wherever wherever people happen to feel uh, on the on the spectrum of of emotions in in the in the wake of uh, of uh, political change, that it does seem like um, you know fuel efficient uh, fuel efficient uh, technologies and green technologies are becoming kind of a thing that will happen whether we want to make the government enforce them or not. Um, so. You know, they, yeah, they will just become more economical than anything else. It's, I mean, it is certainly and a question companies of companies will chase the profit. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you if you if solar panels are cheaper than natural gas, why the heck would we do any of that? Like, it doesn't even like it's not. There's no there's no argument to be made for. You know, even yeah. if you ignore. I mean, unless you're like I. But no, we need more carbon in the atmosphere. Like, <laughs> unless you're like it's too cold, then fine. Like. <laughs> Yeah, but like the, it's climate change, not like universal global warming. Right. No, I know, but I'm just saying. so it'll get colder. It might get colder where you are if you keep burning fossil uh, fuels. Well, there we go. That'd be an argument. That'd be an argument. See, now you're convincing me. We got to start burning more fossil fuels. I'm going to go out and start burning fossil fuels right now. Kevin, Kevin, yes. you live in Minnesota. I live in Wisconsin, but it's been Which unseasonably is next warm. Next to Minnesota, it's been unseasonably warm, and it's frustrating. Yeah. So I got to burn some more fossil just fuels. Wait Thank you for the advice. January. <laughs> And tell me if you'd like it to be colder. I would like it to be colder. Uh, no. Anyway. It's already um, too cold here in Boston. The, the, the interesting thing is that it does seem like most of the, there are, there are also a significant amount of subsidies that are governed on a state level, which, uh, granted can, you know, may also change, but those are also subject to change kind of regardless of, of a presidential election. Um, and, and here in Massachusetts is not something I worry about. Well, yes, that's. That is certainly fair, um, but it is interesting to note that yeah, we're we're almost getting to a point where you do not have to be green at gunpoint anymore. Like it just becomes the profitable, greedy thing to do. Um, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. If just like if just like being good to the planet was like greedy and selfish. <laughs> like I mean, the most it, selfish it, thing it, you it could arguably do. already is. Well, I mean, Question in the long term, like- but I mean, even in the short on the on the short time scale, though. I yeah yeah, that'd yeah. be pretty pretty darn awesome. Oh yeah. man. It's like it's like once eventually once eventually we figure out the right technology to have a space elevator, and then it's like it doesn't even matter if rockets well, are cool. See, this is gonna be the most amazing thing of all time. Yeah. And we'll just build it anyway. I, I, I am not optimistic on a space on the space elevator. Well, Can we talk about that? Sure. I, Let's talk about the space I am, elevator. Like I, I've I've spent a lot of time reading like research papers from like material sciences mm. on like how you can make that darn tether. Right. And like even carbon nanotubes, like they don't seem to be able to make them. And even if they could make them at the the, the right length, mm-hmm. it's arguable whether they'd even like they're on the cusp of being strong enough. Right. Like it's like theoretical, but like even even if they're perf- underperform the theoretical by just a few percentage points, like they'd literally just like peel apart like a banana. Right. Their whole length. Right. I, I, and the the whole thing just collapses, and I, so I find Although, myself on, on space under, elevators just tension, awaiting like gonna... some random theoretical breakthrough in material sciences. That's true. I mean, the it, it, though it is weird to think. Actually, I, I would like to know this. 
Um, I don't know. I think Elon Musk should like just make a speech and just answer like that question only. Um, I would like him to. I would like to know just this one question, and that is, assuming a like a fully green economic environment, assuming that we were we are we were like a completely carbon neutral society, we're all super renewable and everything. Mm. How much damage are the rockets alone going to do? Can we get away with rockets? Like in assuming that, assuming that, like, because right now it's a drop Kevin, in the bucket compared to everything else. Kevin, Kevin, yes. I'm very confused. You can you can run a rocket off of hydrogen and oxygen. We don't do it, but you could. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair point. So you, the only pollutant is water vapor. Yeah, but water is a is a major contributor to acid rain, Alex. <laughs> it's also a very potent greenhouse gas. Exactly. Water vapor. <laughs> However, the amount of like water vapor and you it put can out cause spontaneous drowning from a rocket. You put out way more rocket like water vapor now from like the 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 sound of su- suppression, like the big like water suppression, like right. They put they put out like clouds of steam, right? Like I think a whale over like a year probably would put more water vapor <laughs> in the atmosphere just by shooting up from his blowhole. Well, actually, I I don't, but I don't know if if um if hydrazine as a as a first stage propellant has been done. I don't know. No, I don't know. But uh, but, 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 like, but like, I, I think imagine, it's been done. Imagine, but I don't know. Imagine how. that. Imagine that we stopped polluting in all of the other ways, so that all of a sudden now we're looking at rockets going like, "Hey, dude, what WTF?" Um, if we were using current <sighs> propellants, would that be okay? Would it be minuscule enough yes. that we could say this is a yes. trace amount we don't need to worry the about? The answer, I mean, on the on the order of magnitude of number of rockets we launch now, of course it would be fine. Right, but like presuming that we that we presuming that we have a Mars colony and we want to be sending up. You know, inter, well, we used to burn fires transfers. all the time. We used to have a ton of like fire. Yes, we like everything used to be run on fire. <laughs> Even but and it wasn't till like the industrial revolution where we started having factories burn fire. Right, but if like all like every home used to have fire, every home used to have like liquid like methane candles. Yes, like. I there's enough tolerance in the atmosphere that rockets aren't going to be that big a problem. Okay. I don't know. I would still like to see the space elevator happen. I mean, I know it's, I, know I it's, would no, no, like I, I would it's, too. I know it's, it's Absolutely. possible that it's not I'm just not here. as optimistic as I am about the EM drive, which I, is kind of funny. I would say that if we do end up with a colony on Mars, it's very likely that Mars would end up being the inter planetary hub of all things oh yeah basically oh, yeah. The, and, the and you UN, could easily the, build it the like, un would yeah because yeah because it's so easy to get off of mars um and so efficient space elevators like yes. dude you could like they just want to basically tie a rope between phoebe yeah. Pho- Pho- like phobos. the the moon <laughs> phobos yeah not phoebe phobos <laughs> the the moon you're still and watching your mars. magic school bus stuff <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I am actually. That's totally where I was. Um, so you could just basically tie a rope between the moon and the planet yep. and climb up it yep. with solar powered robots. Yep. Really easy. Yep. It's like single stage to orbit is amazing. Space well, especially if we discover that we can't really do much in terms of terraforming, I would predict that Mars just ends up becoming oh, like what? the Coruscant of. Uh, yeah, it's just a big cityscape. Yeah. Pretty much because yeah. it just it would be so efficient to have that be like the hub of all interplanetary construction and everything. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. A wonderful place to. Well, you know. unless the EM drive pans out. Well, yes. If the e- if the EM drive pans out, then like presumably once you make it efficient enough, then you could you could have like a I, I assumedly a one to one translation for the amount of energy you pump into a system and the amount of thrust you get out of it. Because mm. like that's the type of stuff we're talking about, and you could just use like lasers to, to just to use laser based power transfer to basically build the enterprise and just fly <laughs> it out, oh, fly it away. Well, yes, yeah. Um, so you just shine so, a bunch of lasers on it. So Stephen, pretty but, great. But the timeline is getting short because uh, Stephen Hawking says we only have a thousand years left. Yeah, where did like. Now, I know the guy has from, outlasted. I know the guy has like outlasted his diagnosis by like 
decades longer than was expected. <laughs> just but he's now just Earth. like, oh, we've only got a thousand years left. That is really optimistic, Stephen. I gotta say. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, if anyone's going to be optimistic about timelines, it's, it's him. Right? Right. Like. <laughs> He can't take anything for granted. Um, um, no, this is Stephen Hawking. It's warned humanity that we probably only have about a thousand years left on Earth. And the only thing that could save us from certain extinction is setting up colonies elsewhere in the solar system. Uh, 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 we I, must continue I, I, to go to space for the future of humanity. Hawking sent a lecture at the University of Cambridge this week. I don't think we will survive another thousand years without escaping beyond our fragile planet. I So I don't understand his logic behind this. So like, I agree. It, I uh, I think he's, I think what he's speaking to is sort of like a big cataclysm, which is, is really weird because humanity has survived like 65 million years since like the dinosaurs got wiped out. And there was like the mass, like just like planet level thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like, why is he, why does he think the next one, like it's been 65 million years, definitely going to come in the next (laughs) thousand. Well, it is also weird if you reading the article, he he does talk about concerns about things like AI and drones and weapons. And I'm like, so escaping he, to he, Mars doesn't fix any of those problems. We can build right. drones on Mars. We can have strong <laughs> AI on we, Mars. We can, <laughs> we can kill each other just as easily on the moon or Mars or Jupiter or Earth. It doesn't matter where we are. Right. We can kill each other. Now, and right, I don't there, think there even, has been a lot of sci-fi that basically that cir- circulates around the idea of Mars colonies being sort of isolated and watching the Earth. Well, they are. Go to, go they to are. Yeah, nuclear holocaust against, against itself. Yeah, yeah. Like, I could see that happening, but it's a very, very weird scenario, with, yeah. which is like, I don't... I, I, so he's he's and saying I mean, like most, Mars, of, most of it was most of it was like during the Cold War there was a lot of sci-fi about about that particular sure. concept because then it seems somewhat plausible and I, and I don't even, like I don't I'm not, not a believer like that plausibly fantastic I'm not a believer that even World War Three as sort of like everyone's just firing nukes everywhere mm-hmm. would be a humanity ender right I mean I, I what did Einstein said I. I the World War Three will be fought with nuclear weapons, but World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I think it'll be a huge setback, and I think there'd be a lot of problems. <laughs> but like, generally speaking, I don't think it would be the ender. I don't think humanity could end itself. I think it's presumptuous to assume that humanity could end itself. The thing for me, I think probably the most credible threat, at least to my mind is, you know, super virus. But even that, like, mutations, there are 7 billion people. Yeah, but like, we don't mutate very fast. If we had shorter lifespans, then yeah, I'd agree. But I think that to well, me is the most credible. And I'm, I wouldn't be convinced that separate the separate colonies would necessarily fix that unless we did have completely isolationist colonies. Um, well, I mean, they'd have to be self-sufficient colonies, which I think is what he's arguing for. Right. But but presumably, once we have self-sufficient colonies, you're, we're still going to have transport every, you know, three or four years. And if you have, to, to, for a disease that, that manages to wipe us all out, you'd presume that there would be some dormant strain of it that would be, you know, on that same sort of time scale. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would expect anything, anything kind of capable of wiping out uh, all of us would probably also be capable of, of, you know, acting as a sleeper and, and managing to get its way to all these other colonies. I just think it's presumptuous that humans ca- possess the capability of destroying themselves, but maybe, maybe that's wrong. Who knows? Maybe that's a, a wrong know. presumption. I think, you, I think you haven't watched enough um, action movies, Alex. <laughs> yeah, but like, in no action movie does does anyone like manage to like kill everyone. Right. Right. Well, like, there's that Will Smith one, like the last he, person and you gotta watch more last, zombie movies. The last of us. Yeah. I, something. The, the last of us, the game. <laughs> I am legend. The movie. How, oh, there we go. How excited are you, by the way, to play some civilization? You're going to be able to do that soon. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am excited to finally download Civ 6. I almost downloaded it the other day, but I was too busy and we'll almost certainly be playing it by Tuesday when <laughs> I go on vacation. 
Well, just to get our last, uh, let's see. Oh shoot, yeah, no, we've got two more stories that we have in the show notes. We can talk about them quickly. The one, the one that's real quick, is uh, a New York-based startup called Ngo Planet or Ngo Planet. I don't know, Ngo Planet has installed four streetlights in a plaza off of the Las Vegas Strip that are powered exclusively by solar and kinetic energy. Which is kind of, you know, I, I'm pretty sure there are also ones that are powered exclusively by solar. But whatever. The installations aren't mere streetlights. <laughs> well, they are also uh, power a variety of environmental monitors, support video surveillance, and for the masses offer USB ports for device charging. They are topped as solar panel crests and have kinetic tiles on the ground below them. This is something I'm actually excited to see because I, I lived in New York and I kept waiting to see them like tearing up sidewalk and putting down kinetic tiles. And they never did. Why not, Alex? Well, because New York doesn't like to spend money. Yes, they do. That's kind of like the whole reason that city still exists. <laughs> it's just, it just likes to spend money. No, they like oh, to yeah, buy. They like to sell. Know. Those I, are their two things. I am things. not a governor <laughs> of New York. So that's a hard, hard question for me to answer. Um, obviously, this is probably less viable anywhere in the U.S. Because the U.S. is dumb. But... <laughs> In all of Europe, kinetic tile seems like a hugely beneficial idea that everyone should be doing. Well, I don't know why they don't just put them on roads. Also, yes. Well, but no, because presum- no, because presumably then all you're doing is you're transfer. No, because then you're just transferring gasoline energy into kinetic energy. Is you, that true, though? You're still losing I, the because here here's the fact. So roads crack and deteriorate right. because the energy from the car gets pushed into it and slowly over time that that deteriorates the road right so i'm not certain that by using a kinetic tile that's you fair, increase yeah. Yeah. the yeah. amount of energy drawn from the car but you right. just use that energy which is already drawn more efficiently but that brings me to my second point nobody should be driving cars so well no one's going to drive them but the robots will <laughs> no but even then we shouldn't be living in in this huge dispersed area we should be living in more centralized more efficient locations and live leave more, I, more i do more i do so i don't own a car good, I, good but job, like Alex. it would be super cool if i could call a robot taxi and yes. have it drive me from one end of the city to the other yes yeah, that would be super cool and having robots do that on top of kinetic tiles which re uses some of the energy and presumably uses up that energy in a more efficient manner so it takes less wear right is something i'm all for i agree so get on that environmentalist i i I was was proud of this i said step up environmentalists (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh man every governor of every city ever (laughs) so we should also we, we should talk about snowden there's an article I came across on Gizmodo. Snowden Town. Why haven't you been Snowden playing Town. more Undertale? Kevin? I have. I I know. I missed. I missed a, an upload. I have an, a, an episode that's going up uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Good. Yes. Good. Um, I'm I'm pleased. That game is getting really depressing now. Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, no. Have you I beat just, it yet? Not yet. Now I have to deal with a very miserable last step. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Just gonna have to sit there, put on my headphones, and just play for four hours. Anyway, um, Asgore. There was this article. Yes, there was this article um, criticizing Snowden, who uh, gave a talk at a recent conference. Says, "What got me so riled up about Snowden's talk? He firmly believes that technology is more important than policy as a way to protect our liberties. If you want to build a better future, you're going to have to do it yourself. Politics will only take us so far, and if history is any guide, they are the least effective means of seeing the political change we want." Snowden said. Now, this made the journalist super, super, super angry. Um, that uh, Snowden had had more of an attitude of, hey, you need to start encrypting your phones. You need to start using, you know, you need to start um, make, you know, we need to look at tech at tech solutions to solve these sorts of problems rather than trying to legislate them, um, because yes. government's kind of limited in its capacity. This has been dismissed as being Snowden being completely out of touch and ignorant of the important of the importance of you know legal and and cultural policy changes and i want to mm-hmm. know what you think about this do you think the government uh, i like for to me i what it seems like is this is an argument that snowden thinks that technology is more powerful and important to get right than government and i can understand why a lot of people would be hostile to that idea and i think and i think this journalist is hostile to that idea but i want to know what your thoughts are on that i mean so i i agree that technology is probably more important to get right than government 
because I think that at some point technology can replace government. Mm. And I like, and I think, but I think there's this notion, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you're voting, you don't want to trust anyone. There's literally (laughs) no, the only person you can trust is yourself. So like, and even then. I don't trust myself. I don't trust future. <laughs> no, I don't trust. No, I mean, in the same way that I will, you, I set an yeah, alarm. Yeah, no, I right? understand. You set an alarm clock to get up. It's because yeah. you don't trust yourself to necessarily wake up and go, all right, fine, I'm, I'm going to get out of bed. Like, there are definitely well, times where we all take actions where we don't trust our future selves to act in our own best interest. And then we put ourselves into situations where it's more likely. I mean, I set an alarm because if I don't set an alarm, I, 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 I am asleep. Oh, well, it's not like enough. I wake up and make the <laughs> conscious choice to not get up. I just, I do not wake up. But I would, I would, I would argue that there are probably some cases where you make choices to prevent yourself. You freeze. You, there are plenty of people who like will freeze their credit cards or just not get a credit card because they don't want to trust their future selves. Sure. Yeah. You, no, you operate, people do that all the time. I your, do all that on other things. Right. I just don't agree with the sleep analogy, I guess. Right. Okay. I, gr- I agree with the, the premise, but not the specific point. Fair enough. Um, uh, sorry, but no, but, your, your so, point about yeah, voting, I, not, not trusting people. I agree with Snowden, but I also kind like, I don't think we're there yet. Uh-huh. I guess is the thing. So I think at this point in time, having both because neither is perfect mm. and neither can, you can't really have one without the other anymore mm. is important. The, the quote that I think stands out here um, that the, uh, the author pulled is that uh, Snowden said, law is simply letters on a page. Um, yeah. And she's, she says, it's a phrase that's still, that is still ringing in my ears as, shockingly obtuse, as a shockingly obtuse rejection of civilized society and how real change happens in the world. Which, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't feel like I can agree with this. Like, I, I feel, and, I, and I, it's weird because generally... Like we, we we've talked about this. I kind of sometimes am very hostile toward technology. Um, yeah, yeah. Like yep. I I think that our phones are bad for us. Like I think that I think there are a lot of things that that we're not doing well and we're not doing right. Um, and then particularly, market capitalism has made the internet a very toxic, weird, yeah, incent- no, weirdly incentivized I, place. I, I, um, more apparent than ever, the. the in the corporate influence and like mm. the, the influence of not, not like not in the sense of corporations or anything, but like right. the fact that money is involved with the internet at all right. has become rampantly apparent that it is a damaging thing. Right. Um, and not, and not even, not even to malign particular companies. Like I, I can't fault any individual company for acting no. in the way that no. it maximizes their shareholder value. Like that's how they're supposed to operate. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this, and I mean, this, like, this whole even, idea, even on individuals, like yeah. the fact that individuals can make money by doing certain things on the Internet yeah. is detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. I would say that the mechanisms by which they are compensated Incent, well, well, are, it's, a, it's a perverse incentivization system. I wouldn't I, I would yeah, say yeah, there are probably incentivized, good systems. There, yeah. There are, yeah. You're incentivized to do bad things. System. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah. But when it goes to the point of saying like laws, law, law or uh, laws are only letters on the page, and saying, well, you clearly are turning your back on all of society by, by saying that. I don't think that. I think yeah. I, I sort of have to agree that it doesn't really matter what the policy is about the NSA, mm. especially when governments change hands. Going from, I mean, I guess it's probably the case for for the majority of Americans that either they a, a they they there's there either is a villain about to take office or is there or there's a villain about to leave office. Yeah, and so having laws to govern what sort of snooping and stuff they're able to do is probably bad for both of those groups of people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's why you, the NSA is sort of a bipartisan effort. Right. It's like, for the people in power, it's good for them. Right. No matter who's in power, it's good for them. So no one in power is going to take that away. It's kind of like term limits. Yeah. It's basically the same thing. But I know, I, I guess know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me, the, the idea of whether... Um, whether tech, tech, technocracy, I don't know, techocracy, something, 
whether trying to whether we should be trying to pursue so, social change by via technological solutions versus making an effort in terms of reforming public policy. Um, it's an interesting yeah. question to me, and I, I can understand why people find themselves on, on one side of the fence or the other. But yeah, yeah, really it's definitely that. an issue that isn't doesn't feel like a black and white issue. Right. But I think Although, there man, are very if few we, black if I ever and get white to build issues, my cool virtual world kind of. MMO thing. And we could just have all of the like, hey, let's try and be decent people codified into the rules of the environment. And it'd be amazing. Why don't we just build a mind control robot that implants itself like a babble fish in a babel fish inside <laughs> everyone's ear? It just flies around, flies into everyone's ear. But Alex. Then just what? Alex, how do you know this hasn't been done already? Because I've seen an x-ray of my head. That's what you like to think. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I built my own X-ray machine. And so, I so Alex, we are we are we are close to the to the end of our hour, and uh, you have a new MacBook. I do have a new MacBook. Why? If you want to see? I why? <laughs> yeah. So, of. so listeners, I will narrate the the view. So, Alex is holding up this really crappy looking uh, oh. piece of just metal. It's all warped and out of shape and terrible. Um, what? <laughs> There are holes in it. It's broken. It's I mean, it's it's got these flashing lights that flicker and are weird. <laughs> what, what? Nothing that you're describing right now is actually what happened. There are these yeah. there are these flat little nubs where keys should exist. There's a I whole love panel this of keyboard. Keys. <laughs> I love this keyboard. This is a very clicky keyboard. Well, they, there's, they did, there's they enough did travel the, on it. They did change the mechanics to make them even less mechanical this time, didn't they? If I remember right. Well, they're more so they're less squishy than right. the current MacBook. So right. they feel more like a mechanical keyboard, but oh, okay. with a little bit less travel. Okay. Well, depending on what type of mechanical keyboard you use, a lot right. less travel. But like yes. the actual clicking as a, action as a is a lot user. more. <laughs> they're a lot louder, and they're a lot more like tactile than the old keyboard for me at least in my okay. opinion um the one thing that they did do they gave them a little bit more travel than the 12 inch macbook which mm -hmm. immensely helps like interesting like i think this is a really cool keyboard I, I i really like it and i encourage anyone who's like oh no they made it a thinner keyboard like that stupid 12 inch macbook and like this is not the keyboard that's on the 12 inch macbook it's a very okay. similar keyboard mm -hmm. but it is different interesting and of course um, the escape I, key alex how is the escape key doing there there is no escape key exactly but how there how is, is how is how is interacting with the touchpad like do you when you need to press the escape key, can you does does your pinky travel up there, or do you have to like go and take your index finger and be like, nope, I'm pressing a trackpad type of thing now? I I don't I don't use the escape key. Well, type something in Vim and then stop typing something in Vim. <laughs> okay, I'll see. You. No terminal. I'm not on Windows. Because uh, this is the real the real Vim test of things. Hi. Uh insert hi. I am Alex from the future. Wow. Escape. 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 I'm counting how many yeah. times you had to try and hit escape. I mean, I've hit it every time. Uh-huh. It just keeps making this noise. Oh, there's the man page button that opens up. I have a dedicated man page uh -huh. button. That is literally the best Why thing. not a woman page, Alex? How dare you? I don't know. I'm I'm not Linus Torvald. <laughs> Blame him. Blame Fair him enough. for literally everything that's gone wrong on this podcast. <laughs> Wonderful advice for us all. So, uh, yeah, before we get out of here, I guess we we should Alex do. I well, actually no. I want to I want to pull up the very beginning to bring everything back. Oh, right. okay. We're gonna have so a circular I'm podcast. You with this, but but I made a um, I made an intro theme. Okay, I figured you would. <laughs> Which is terrible, and like it's totally not usable, but we're probably going to play it anyway, so I'm going to make you Man, listen to it. this audio quality. <laughs> You're going to make me listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we ever stop using this again? Because <laughs> it was terrible. like Show tunes. <laughs> show tunes. <laughs> How long is this? It's not that. Not that long. 
seconds. It was more than a year ago. Seconds. It's a Is year it? long. <laughs> yes. It's over a year long at this point. It's been playing constantly. Yes. Yes. Be long. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I was playing around. <laughs> Why don't we just speed up the whole podcast and make that the intro? That still oh, is a good suggestion. <laughs> So speed it up to like five seconds. So Listen, hear seconds the, all that echo. That at the beginning. Well, because there are a lot of podcasts peak. where they've where they do like the you know come. All right. Anyway, um, yeah. There yeah. we go. We we started at the bottom. Now we're here, as the saying goes. Yep. Um We are gonna be we are gonna be gone for uh, the holiday season. We will we'll be, be back next back, year. We will be back next year with a new thing. Um, it will not be at the same links because um, obviously we need to we need to get. People familiar with the new stuff, um, and so keep an eye out. Um, you can, um, if you're fans of Christopher Nolan, you'll like what's coming next. Oh man, please don't say, please don't say it, please don't say it. I um, didn't say it. <laughs> I didn't say it. No, I, if, I uh, just. <laughs> uh, well, no. So if you if you do want to keep up with us, you can obviously follow uh, me at Cheers Kevin on Twitter. You can find Alex Bragdon at I don't know what are you right now. <laughs> Are you Alex I'm at Alex Bragdon. Okay, yes. good. Then you can find Alex uh, at alexbragdon.com as well, uh, or Alex Bragdon on Twitter. Um, and alexbragdon.com will, will always bring you to me. Right. We will also uh, we will also put a an announcement uh, post up on here as well uh, once we have that launched uh, in the next year. And I guess it only remains for us to say thank you for all of you who have supported and listened and been around and made this. Awesome. And we'll see you out there. Now, uh, but now, Alex, just because it is sort of fitting, do you want to, uh, and because it's been a cliche that our podcasts always end whenever this is mentioned, do you want to tell them what is the name of, uh, of the next thing uh, they'll see us on? So to end the podcast, we'll end it on one word. The word that always ends the podcast, interstellar.